Welcome to the latest episode of Owl 360. We're on the road at Jackson Elementary School, home of the Wildcats. And with us are... Lisa Ferguson. Alex Zaring. Whitney Reinhardt. Brandon Roberts. And Justin Brown. And today we're going to be discussing PLCs. Mrs. Ferguson, can you explain to us all what a PLC is? I'm glad you asked that, Troy. Uh, We're bringing you today's broadcast to celebrate the various aspects of a professional learning community. And if you remember, in our instructional guide on page 17, we give some district definitions and some information about PLCs that guide us as a district. And I would say overall, when we meet in a professional learning community, we're looking to see um, what it is we want our students to know how we will know they've learned it, how we respond when our students do not learn or at the point of struggle, and how do we enrich and extend learning for students that are already proficient in that area. Uh, Some of the things that we hope to learn today from Jackson are how have they worked through this process and what types of tips will they have for us. Excellent. And also we have some students, again, that are, that are participating in all grade levels, I think, throughout the corporation. But elementary, is this tied to RTI at all, Ms. Ferguson? Yeah, you're looking at how students know information, your, your tier one work. And then when you move on to response to intervention, then you have a common understanding of how we did things, how we got going. So let's start talking with the team here about... PLCs. How did you all get started with professional learning communities? We started this process four or five years ago when our district really saw a need to create a culture of collaboration within our schools. And um, we adopted the Marzano framework here at Jackson Elementary and across our district where, you know, Marzano said that, you know, the first thing that you need to do to create a high reliability school is you need to create a safe and collaborative culture. And we felt like here at Jackson Elementary through surveys that we had done a great job with with school safety. And we put a lot of priority in making sure that students are safe every day. One thing that we really needed to take the next step on was collaboration. So we carved out a time where um, our grade levels, as Mrs. Ferguson said, could spend a common time talking about student data, talking about results and how we are going to increase student achievement. We started that process four or five years ago, and we really have learned a lot through this process. We've had trials, we've had tribulations, we've learned things um, that have made us better. And here, four or five years later, we really feel like we have a process that we are proud of and that that really has what it's set out to do, and that's increased um, student achievement through conversations that our teachers are having about students, about data, and about their instruction. Can you give us any information about how often you meet, uh, how much time you usually dedicate to your PLC? So each week during our grade level planning time, uh, we have 40 minutes set aside for each grade level. So each grade level meets in a, in a common area with our instructional coach and either Mr. Brown or myself. And that is the time that we set aside to look at our student data and come up with an action plan on how to meet the students' needs, whether that be the students that are struggling or the students that have already mastered a particular topic and figure out how to push them forward. Uh, Whitney and Alex getting this uh, started, what was easy at first? Like what would you say were the easiest parts? Like we did this right away and it was, you know, it wasn't too much, and then what was hard? 
Um, I think the collaboration part was pretty easy. I mean, as teachers, we're working with our grade level every day because we found that if you're by yourself planning, you don't get as much done. Unless you're working with others, you're able to take others' ideas, their strategies. And um, it was really easy just to kind of come together and take what Mr. Brown, Mr. Roberts, and Mrs. Reinhardt have given us. And we've, I feel like, especially now in April, it's just like second nature. We just come in, we know what we're going to do. We have a standard or a topic that we're, or skill that we're working on, and we do everything we can to meet those kids' needs wherever they are. Whitney, what would you say from a coach's point of view? Um, as the instructional coach, I get to attend, or I'm part of all the grade-level PLCs, and I think I've only been here a couple years, but when we first started last year, I think one of the struggles was that we did not have a, I guess, common agenda in place. So we were doing great work and having great conversations. It just may not have been as productive as it is now. So one of the things that we found was really important was as a staff, we worked together to come up with what were the most important things that we needed to focus on and actually developed a common agenda or form, PLC form. And that's what um, you'll see in the video that we're typing on and looking on as well. Really, really focused on just the four main questions of the PLC. And when you first started, how did you decide what was going to be your topic for your PLC? How did you work out who was uh, leading the discussion? All of those types of logistic types of items. Any input there for folks that want to fine-tune their process? When we first embarked on this journey, that we tried to narrow our focus. We, we focused our discussions on our essential standards. We identified as a staff here at Jackson Elementary, and I know other buildings have done the same, what are those essential standards? What are the what are the concepts and skills that we want our students to master or to have learned before they move on to the next grade level because as we all know um, the standards are all-encompassing there are too many standards and not enough time so we had to prioritize so we created a list of essential standards in math um, and English language arts and through our PLC process we have um, use that as a framework. So when we first arrive every single week, we talk about what do we want students to learn? What is that identified standard that we are going to focus on for instruction? And beyond our English language arts and math blocks, we have set aside a 40-minute block of time. We call it our Wildcat team time, where that instruction is focused on um, that essential, essential standard. So that's kind of how we narrowed our focus early on. I think the goal ultimately is for these discussions that, that are going on weekly um, turns into discussions about instructional practices, how we meet the needs of the students who aren't getting it, who need remediation, how we meet the needs of the students who kind of get it but just need to be pushed forward a little bit further, and then finally that enrichment group. How are we challenging those students? So those conversations are turning into conversations about instructional practices and differentiation, not only during Wildcat team time, but during the English language arts and math blocks. And we've seen that carry over here at Jackson. But to get started again, we focused most of our attention on that 40-minute block of time, uh, Wildcat team time. I know from a practical point of view, uh, from the teaching standard, it's nice to f figure out, well, this worked when I was teaching this standard, or this, I totally blew that teaching approach. Have you found that to be true with your teachers too? Absolutely. I think that's the most um, positive um, thing we get out of our conversations. When we're sitting around as a team, as an administrative team, our instructional coach and our, and our grade level teachers, and one teacher is talking about an instructional strategy or, or, or that worked for them, um, they're looking at the data and maybe this teacher had uh, better results. So it's a non-judgmental 
time where we can talk about, hey, what did you do that allowed you to get such great results? And then in that meeting, we're talking about that instructional strategy that this teacher may have used. Um, Sometimes we'll set aside time for that teacher to go across the hall and observe that practice so that they can put it into action themselves. We are learning from each other, and that's the most that's the biggest goal when it comes to collaboration, in, in my opinion. And uh, something we've heard uh, at your PLCs, there are specific job roles in the building um, that are represented. And Alex and Whitney, if you guys might comment, uh, how important is it to have the administration involved, the principals in your building? Um, I mean, I think it's a good thing because we're able to have them in to see kind of what we're doing in our classroom Um, They're in our rooms, you know, throughout the week coming around, but they're also busy, you know, taking care of behaviors, dealing with things that are going around the school. So it's kind of nice for those. Each week they're able to see kind of, like Mr. Brown said, what we're doing, how we're collaborating on certain skills. If someone in our, for example, if Ms. Grant in in third grade was able to get her students to master standard better than I would, then I would go to her. And so it's nice that they're able to see us collaborating, see us working, and they're not just hearing it. They're able to see it with their eyes. I feel like having the administrators part of the actual PLCs makes all the difference. When you're talking about truly creating a collaborative culture in your building, it's not just, we don't just expect students to be the collaborators. We don't just expect teachers. It's everyone in this building. And when they are present and they are involved in what's going on, it just shows that we're a true team collaborating and working together. And they have great input to help us through some of these things as well. And I think it holds us as teachers more accountable too because if you have, you know, your principal, your assistant principal, you're wanting to make them proud. You're wanting them to show that you're doing a good job. And so for us, I think we, or at least for me, I want to make sure that when we're meeting with them, they see that we're doing good work and we're getting the kids to master that skill and be where they are. I think another aspect that I think is important too is it gets to the point where, as in the classroom, when the principal comes in, sometimes it's like a, the principal's here. You know, it's you know, so you it, it can make it more relaxing, I think, and I think the kids can sense that too, and it helps us in our teaching. Just a, a couple of things in in summary. What results have you seen that you feel uh, maybe not solely attributed to PLCs, but you think that it's part of um, the many puzzle pieces that go into making a real change in your building? So we feel here at Jackson that the PLC process has been huge in the amount of growth that we have been able to see specifically over the past uh, year, year and a half. So when we first rolled out PLCs several years ago and we've continued to fine tune that process, we have found that we are using student data more than we ever have. It's no longer teaching a concept, looking at our data, and then moving on to the next one. It's keeping that data current relevant and coming up with action plans to get our student data and then figure out how we can improve um, on those essential standards. So for example, last year we were able to uh, raise our school grade by two letter grades, which the feedback that we've gotten from the state is that did not happen in a lot of places. Um, and like you said, Mrs. Ferguson, it's not only because of our PLC process, but the PLC process was a, a major factor in that student growth that we were able to see. Mr. Roberts, how do you get your data, though, so quickly? I mean, is there a certain tool you use to get that data? We have several 
pieces of data that we can use through our iReady math curriculum. We have great data through that, uh, but also through our grade level common assessments. Um, since we are one-to-one, -one, our students have access to Google Chromebooks at all times, which is great. I know uh, third grade specifically has used uh, Google Forms to collect data quickly, and we make sure that when we leave our PLC meetings, we have specific action steps in place where we're going to give this assessment and bring this data back by this date. That way, everybody's on the same page. Everybody is, knows what data that we need to look at that next meeting so that we can progress. The one thing that's really good about our, our math curriculum is we have, and you'll, you'll hear us refer to this in the video, our standard mastery assessments, which are basically what Mr. Roberts referred to as, as common assessments on essential standards. So we're able to give those assessments, get immediate feedback, and then go to work planning for instruction to meet the needs of all students, whether they have mastered um, or need to be remediated. So that data is so important. And we have um, Google spreadsheets um, within all of our PLC team drives um, for all grade levels where we set goals at the end of each um, PLC each week. And one of the goals is to have that data from those um, assessments entered so that when we arrive that, that next week, we can sort that data, we can sort kids, and we can talk about the instructional piece. And just to wrap up, for those uh, listening out there in uh, radio land or podcast land today, what uh, suggestions would you have? If they're not quite to the point that you are, um, do you have any suggestions like, hey, make sure that you do this? You know, so we'll just kind of go around or, or just any comment that you might have about the process. That would be awesome. I think one of the suggestions um, I would make from a, from a leadership standpoint is, like I told you before um, early on in this interview or podcast, um, we talked about the things that we have learned at Jackson Elementary. One of the things that we learned early on was the importance of, of setting up the environment of a professional learning community and how that meeting can be efficient for 40 minutes, where you're talking about student data and instruction exclusively. And one of the ways that we did that was we really have placed emphasis on um, creating norms for our meetings where all of our grade level teachers have the input. They're creating those norms. What are the things that need to go on during a meeting um, to make them efficient? So I would say that that's one thing that is that we have learned over time. I think simple things like creating a neutral environment. You know, we meet in a room that is set up where you have circle tables, where you can sit around, have around the table discussion. It's in a neutral location so that everybody feels empowered to give meaningful input. Everybody's voice is heard and we respect those voices. Those are just little things when it comes to establishing the environment of a PLC that I believe are so important to making that process more efficient. And then over time, you're focusing on, you know, the things that really matter and that's increasing, you know, student achievement and results. Another thing is that this has been a journey. Um, I know many buildings are already in the PLC process, but if you have not, it is not going to happen overnight. And I think that's important to know. Where we are today has been a journey and we have learned lots of things along the way. So I would just have the understanding that you're going to make mistakes and that's okay, but using it as a learning process to continually improve. I think once you have that collaboration environment, 
when you're talking about teachers who may not feel as comfortable with the technology and stuff, you're going to feel more comfortable having your team member help you with those things or an instructional coach or administrator because we're all there doing it together. Um, I think from a teacher standpoint, um, you just need to come in with your team with an open mind um, and just be willing to give and share your ideas. You know me, I've only taught for six years and I have colleagues that have taught for 20, 23 years. And so our ideas are different, our strategies are different, but I feel like we work really well together because we're able to kind of tap into our different skills that we're good at. We're able to really work together and that teamwork shows with our kids as well because we've seen in third grade as well as other grades the success that our kids are doing when we are working on these essential standards or just everyday things in our classroom. Well, we certainly appreciate your time and sharing your journey in the PLC process. And it is something that I think Jackson, uh, any of you listeners, uh, they would welcome you to contact them to learn more about the process and how to get um, your process to the next step. Something that we're adding this time, be sure that you check the resource section of our podcast Google site because we're going to have some video, maybe some examples that you can look at uh, that Jackson uses that you may be able to adapt and use in your process. Because with everything that we do, the more that we can work together, share information, it makes us all a little bit better. That's going to do it for this episode of OWL 360 Podcast on the road at Jackson Elementary School, home of the Wildcats. In closing, you've been listening to OWL 360 Podcast and... Get out there and make a difference. Change lives. Make something happen. Get inspired. See you next time on the podcast. As always on the Owl360 podcast, the School of Greatness, we have a prize. And if you are the 20th emailer to send me information on what's something that really works with PLCs in your building, then you will be sent a prize.